Episode 3A. In this episode, Peter and Nicola elaborate on how wealth transfer works within the detail of the legislation, and they look at four areas of gifting. One, what can be given away. Two, what can be given away with strings attached. Three, what is transferred at a cost. And four, the use of trust for control and certainty. As I sprung the idea of this additional podcast onto Nicola in episode two, when we were looking at Steve's position, it is only reasonable that I should explain myself. Yes, your surprise announcement has rather upset the carefully choreographed episodes we have agreed, which would follow a structure of developing the subject of family wealth transfer, which is expected to be an average daily £82 million over the next 10 years. Yes, guilty as charged. I was concerned we would not have enough time to cover the very important subject of gifting and how inheritance tax needs to be considered in all of this. Well, I will agree that the subject can be complicated. So, how do we present this to our listeners? Can I suggest that we use several case studies to illustrate this, where I play the indulgent wealthy parent and you my deserving daughter? Oh, so typecasting then. (laughs) Yeah, without commenting on that, let's see what I would like to demonstrate in this episode. That is, one, what exempt gifts are and how they operate. Two, what potentially exempt gifts are and how they operate. Three, what chargeable lifetime transfers and trusts are and how they are taxed. And four, possible tax reliefs when used in trusts. In these little case cameos, I will deliberately omit reference to the new residential nil rate band, business assets and agricultural property relief, as we will be covering these in other episodes. To ensure we cover all the bases, I should also mention that deliberately giving away assets to avoid paying for care is dangerous, and we will look at that in our next episode on paying for long-term care. Also, without wanting to sound like we are shortchanging our listeners, I will not be mentioning Enterprise Initiative Schemes, EISs, Seed Enterprise Initiative Schemes, SEISs, and business relief in all its form, be it an aim portfolio, as well as private business reliefs. We will be looking at these in future episodes. We should also mention that in the last year or so, we have seen recommendations from APPG. Got you, clearly a use of unintelligible jargon, and that'll be £5 for my charity, thank you. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't find you earlier when you used the mnemonics EIS and SEIS. <laughs> APPG stands for All Party Parliamentary Groups. And as I was trying to say, we've seen several proposals making radical changes to the way that inheritance tax operates and how this will interact with capital gains tax. It is clear that Great Britain PLC will need to increase their tax take in the coming years to balance the books after the expensive COVID support. We know that some of the institutes we are members of are involved in this APPG consultation and we'll bring our listeners news on this when it's available. Okay, let's start with exempt gifting. These consist of the following. One, £3,000 each year, and where the £3,000 has been used in the current tax year, any unused amount in the previous tax year can be carried forward, but only once. Two, £250 to anyone you meet in the street if you're generous, but it cannot be used as part of the larger £3,000 gift. Three, £5,000 to your child on their marriage, and these wedding gifts reduce for the more remote relatives. These provisions were in the 1984 Inheritance Tax Act, so inflation and time have reduced the value, but 
an extremely valuable exempt provision, often not used, are gifts out of excess income. In our case notes featured last episode with Richard, we looked at how this works. Yes, as you said, this aspect of exempt provisions are often overlooked and there is a landmark case that makes this approach even more attractive and as they are being made annually, are likely to be in line with inflation. But it must not reduce the standard of living for the person making these gifts. Okay, let's move on and look at gifts that are are potentially exempt. That is to say, they will not be included in the estate for inheritance tax calculations, providing certain conditions are met. Okay, Dad, I know that you are loaded, and I would... (laughs) Could you make that a little more pointed? (laughs) Okay, Dad. I know that you are loaded and would like to give me 500000 to buy my Chelsea flat, but how does that work under the potentially exempt gifting rules? Bear in mind this is not being done for real. So number two is potentially exempt transfers. As a very generous father, I would be making a potentially exempt transfer or pet, and providing I live for more than seven years after the gift, it will be outside of my estate. However, I am generous, but I'm not naive, and would want to avoid my 500,000 gift forming part of a later divorce settlement or getting into the hands of any gold digging boyfriend you might come across. So I will register an interest on the land registry, but I must be careful not to retain part ownership, as this will be a gift with reservation of benefits and might compromise my estate. It would also be wise to time mark the point of the gift, as this will start the seven year clock ticking. This is usually noted as the date on the bank statement or transfer, or even better, a deed of gift would be made. We have an episode on this later when we talk about this type of situation. But what if I die during these seven years, I hear our listeners ask? Well, in that case, several things would happen. Those dealing with your estate, your executors, would note the gift on the IHT 403 form to inform the HMRC and to get the application for probate started. Okay, let's put this onto a timeline. One, I make the gift, which I have reduced by the 3,000 annual exemption that we mentioned earlier, leaving 497,000. Two, I die within seven years of making the gift, making a failed pet. Three, the executives of my will look back to see what happened first. Four, they bring back into my estate the value of the 497,000 gift. Five, they take this 497 from the 325,000 nil rate band. Now, we've already mentioned the nil rate band in an earlier version, so I won't get a fine for that. Six, this leaves a deficit of 172,000 subject to the 40% inheritance tax. Seven, at this juncture, those sorting out the estate will determine how much relief is available. There is no relief available in the first three years following death, and then that relief increases by 20% each year. And then finally, eight, this inheritance tax liability will fall on you, dear daughter. I'm not being funny, but this is a real problem for me because (laughs) I have to pay the inheritance tax and I will need to sell the flat. When involved with gifts of this size, we will often consider arranging life assurance to protect beneficiaries like you to ensure seamless family wealth transfer. So dry your eyes (laughs) and let's look at number three in our list, which are chargeable lifetime gifts into trusts. Unlike potentially exempt gifts, these are usually associated with trusts. Let's rerun this earlier situation about me giving you this 500,000 and let's say that I still have concerns about you making a bad marriage and decide to put this 500,000 into a trust. When the 500,000 goes into the trust, it becomes a lifetime transfer and the key difference between this and a pet is that some of the inheritance tax is paid when the money goes into the trust. Again, 
it will have the benefit of the nil rate band allowance, providing there is some left after my earlier largesse, so we are left with 172,000 after deducting the 3,000 exemption. This amount is subject to the lifetime charge of 20% or half the 40% inheritance tax charge, reducing the amount going into the trust to 462,600, do your sums. So you are 37,400 short of the 500 you were expecting, my dear. I need all the 500,000. <laughs> You're a grateful brat. <laughs> As we have established, I'm a generous, if perhaps foolish father. So to ensure you have the full 500,000 you need, I will increase the 500,000 to 543,000 so that when the 20% tax charge is paid, you have the net amount of 500,000 you need from the trust. As chartered financial planners, we work alongside family law firms and accountants so that we can provide a comprehensive trust support and investment service to take the burden off the shoulders of lay trustees. Okay, if we can bear it, now let's look at trusts. As with most things, trusts have their advantages and their disadvantages, so let's look at the advantages. The main reason for using a trust is control over how the family wealth is used. As in the case study of my daughter, I do not want to see my gifts to her being used to fund a later divorce or separation, so I arrange the trust so that me and other trustees have control over the use of the money or assets in the trust. Additionally, if I die whilst the trust is still in force, the remaining trustees will maintain this control. In many trust cases, there is an age at which the beneficiaries will receive the money or assets. So, dear daughter, I have funded your spending over the years and I do not want you blowing this 500000 on fast cars and expensive holidays. So, me and the other trustees will only allow trust assets to be used when we approve them. However, by the time you get to 30, we think probably wrongly, you will be old enough to make these decisions yourself and the trust will pass the assets to you at that age. This is not always the case and in many trusts the assets can be carried on for later generations. The disadvantages are that recent legislation preventing trusts being used to avoid paying taxes makes tax administration more complex, but in many cases control over how beneficiaries use assets and family wealth is the overriding consideration and we can take care of the administration for the trustees. So on to the last point, which is about reliefs available in using trusts. Now that you've ruined my reputation as a responsible daughter, let's look at some of the reliefs available using trusts. This can be complex and I do not want to run the risk of Pete, sorry, my father in this exercise, adding insult to injury by fining me £5 for either jargon or being boring. So I will mention that capital gains tax can be held over when moving assets into a trust but are held over until later disposal, but it does delay, not eliminate the gain. As in all these podcasts involving the transfer of family wealth, please call us to discuss a situation where you need professional advice. As I admit at the start, I have shoehorned this episode into our series with the intention of reducing the technical content of episode two, where we talk to Steve about his expected receipt of family wealth, and episode three, where we talk to Richard as a father and grandfather passing on family wealth, but you should also listen to their stories. I will not impose on our listeners' patience by running the usual features on what caught our eye this week or our case notes. So Nick and I will now run a summary of the points we have covered in this episode. One, 
The usual list of exempt gifts is in the information sheet from HMRC on this week's landing page, but the exempt gifts provisions are not used as gifts from excess income. This has the advantage of being outside the estate as soon as gifted, providing it is genuinely income and not capital. It can be varied according to circumstances and more likely to reflect inflation than the exempt gifts that have not been changed since the 1984 Inheritance Tax Act. We looked at this in our case notes in the last episode talking to Richard. Two, we then looked at potentially exempt gifts or pets and if surviving more than seven years are outside of the estate providing no reservation of benefits are retained. So instead of the 500,000 used in our little case study, it was 5 million and I survived seven years, the wealth is, the wealth is passed. The problems arise if death occurs in the seven years following death. If you're contemplating making large gifts like this, then please talk to us first. Five million, thank you very much. <laughs> Three, we then looked at lifetime transfers into trusts and how the tax treatment is different to the pet. Where there are a series of gifts and chargeable transfers coming from generous parents, the extent of exposure to inheritance tax is not always fully realized. We mentioned in our interview with Richard that lifetime cash flow forecasting will identify what kind of lifestyle will be available after gifts and transfers. So before making a gift, let us look at the impact. After all, we are chartered financial planners. Four, then we looked at using trust to provide control and certainty, going through the advantages and disadvantages of this approach. It is a good point to mention again our comprehensive trust investment and review service. So that's all for this supplementary episode on gifting and inheritance taxation. In our next episode, Nicola will be interviewing me on long-term care to get our tips on how costs can be met. And after that, we will be talking to Ian Wanstall of Wanstall Consulting about effective will writing and get his views on estate planning. So see you later. Many thanks. Thanks.